yo, 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 yo! What up, peeps? Time for a very special episode of Sketchacast. Now, instead of bringing on like a special um, new new guest, I'm here with my very close buddy and partner in crime, Luke Perkins. Say hi, Luke. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, hi. Doctor Luke. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. You can tell by the tone of his voice. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> kidding, kidding. But in all hey. in all seriousness, um, now, Luke. Would you mind telling the lovely p- people listening to this podcast what we're going to be talking about today? Well, we're going to be talking about what's upcoming for animation in the year of 2021, because we have already focused on 2020 too much. Exactly, and I think we all want to leave 2020 to the wayside now. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, with that said and done, let's go ahead and get started with what's coming up in 2021 in terms of animation. So, um, one notable film that's coming out next year, if I do believe this is correct, should be Space Jam, A New Legacy, the sequel to the beloved cult classic Space Jam. And by beloved, I mean to 90s kids. Well, Well, I don't know if it's actually coming out this year. I believe it's coming out next year, around 2022, from what I heard. Oh, really? I'm, we're talking about it already. Yeah, I guess so, but in fact, well, yeah, I mean, you, you never know what's what's going to happen with, like, their release schedules, but so far, the estimated release date is July 16th of this year. We'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> I know, right? But, yeah. so with that said, the film, as of now, um, unlike Joe Pitka, who directed the first film, this one is being directed by Malcolm D. D. Lee, with a script co-written by Ryan Coogler, who's also co-producing the film with LeBron James, who will star in it, next to Bugs Bunny, voiced by Eric Bausa, in addition to a music score co-conducted by Hans Zimmer, and animation... Yep. Oh, oh, okay then. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of people on this film, but we're not necessarily going to talk about this. We're instead going to be talking about the film from an animator's point of view, because... This oh, may, yeah. This this may be a controversial opinion, but Luke and I are, to say the least, not exactly fans of the original movie. I Well, there's some people that aren't fans of the movie either, so n- controversial opinions aren't new anymore, Eli. I don't know. It seems like controversial opinions are always new on Tumblr and Twitter. And we'll probably talk about that later in this episode. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> yeah, but... But, uh, and, and when you mentioned about, like, the animator standpoint, I thought you were going to be talking about some of the people who are going to be working on the sequel, because act- I actually know some of the animators who are working on this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if we can name drop any specific people, but I believe people like Tony Bancroft, Sam Kabanek, and others mm-hmm. others are I, joining on this film. I do Sam Kabanek, and I know that, uh, I know that Spike Brand is uh, directing the animation, and I personally, and I really love this Bugs Bunny design. <laughs> it, it's a good mix of like that generified '90s corporate brand Bugs Bunny and his own style. Well, it well Spike mainly is inspired by Chuck Jones. Oh, totally. <laughs> so we have seen a cl- one or two clips of the animation posted on Twitter. And I will say it looks good, but it doesn't look as 
refined and polished as what we saw in the original 96 film. Which oh, even- Eli, don't compare. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Like, look, even if you don't like the original movie, you can't d- deny that the film was, at the, the, the time, quite a technical achievement. Maybe well, not- Well, here's the thing. That's not a- Those aren't clips from the movie. Those are promotional material with uh, sponsorships and whatever. Oh. Like, one that you saw was uh, one where- he takes a tour to Warner Brothers from a, with Brazilian language on it, and the other was an was an ad for Xbox, which has an animation by a friend of mine named Joshua Hill. Oh yeah, Josh. Yeah, I've heard of him. He's done a lot of fascinating work on Green Eggs and Ham. Mm-hmm. And he was a cleanup artist on Klaus. Noise. Ah, uh, cleanup. <laughs> Every animator's worst nightmare. Well, Tom Moore said that like cleanup animation needs more attention because of how hard they work and also i feel like i feel like in-betweeners has also been given a sort of a garbage dump recently too like not really like being like assistants and trying to finish other scenes but more so just cleaning up and i think what people tend to forget is that while it is interesting to, to see animation from the likes of glenn Keane or i don't know dan haskett nancy beeman etc etc what you, we tend to forget is that despite their, their work being really good, part of that is thanks to, to, to their assistant work. And I guess now that like animators like Aaron Blaze and Tony Bancroft and others are working strictly on TV paint, they tend to, to do their own in-betweens again. But even at, at that, when you work on TV paint or Toon Boom, you still get like the, the traditional hand-drawn assistant approach when you shop it to, to someone else. Like with TV paint... With TV paint, I suppose, I mean, it's still a bit clean, but you kind of get the idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but with that said, now, I will say, say this. Um, despite us not really knowing what to expect of the second Space Jam, what is funny is that it's getting made around the same time that the new Looney Tunes cartoons on HBO Max are dropping. So that's definitely interesting in its own right, because the crew on those cartoons unless I'm mistaken, are not under the, the same boat as the sequel. So if any, outside of maybe Eric Bauza voicing Bugs Bunny and the other people. Even then, some of the animators are also working on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't Sam Kabanek will work on Dynamite Dance? Yeah, he animated on Dynamite Dance. Nice. You know, the funny thing, thing is, too, um, when it comes to our opinions on the second movie, we're really just basing this more on the memes because everyone's like, oh, is LeBron James a good actor? And to be fair, you know, he's, he's been in a few movies as more as like a cameo appearance, and he's not that bad. Because, look, whether or not you like Michael Jordan, the guy can't act. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like if he wasn't trying to do this for acting points, I feel like it would be funnier. <laughs> Maybe... Who knows? Maybe there'll be a lot more me- meta in this film than they were in the second, uh, the, the first film. <laughs> way more meta. Um, I'm worried about it. Are you saying that in how you and I are both really sick and tired of meta humor nowadays? Yes, I am so tired. How ev- almost every animated show or movie <laughs> use cynicism and meta humor to think that they're funny and. And, like, even with the Animaniacs reboot, they turn very likable, charming characters into fucking assholes. Kind of like Family Guy post-season four. 
And I know, and I know people say that, like, well, aren't the Warner Brothers and Warner Sister jerks? And I was like, they kind of are, but here's the thing, and I know this is going to be kind of a tangent, but even at their most like, you know, pessimistic and grumpy selves, there was still some charm there. In in the the reboot, it kind of seems like they wanted to inject a little too much cynicism, and they fell flat on their face. Well, like. More specific, I think I I I think I would use the word that it was too arrogant for its own good. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, that's a con. That's an infamous opinion within itself because it seems like you can't talk about maniacs negatively anymore. Mm. But I, that that aside. Um, long story short, uh, we don't know what to to expect of, of this sequel, but. As long as there's just a little more polish and a little more, well, not not effort. I don't want to say say that, but but like a little more attention to what makes the Looney Tunes special, and not rely on, on too much like sports references or meta humor. I think yeah, it'll but, be fine. Yeah, but isn't the Looney Tunes known for referencing certain types of stuff like that? I guess they, 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 they are. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a Looney Tunes historian or anything, but... I know one of my friends is. <laughs> but my point is, um, we don't know what, what to truly expect from the sequel, but as long as they can keep to their, their word mm-hmm. in terms of what they're, they're going to, to give us when they announce it, I think we'll be okay. And besides, it's, it's going to come out on HBO Max in addition to, to theaters, so we'll be fine. Yeah, so in case if you're still paranoid about COVID, at least watch on APO Max. <laughs> uh, Warner Brothers, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, you actually do. You actually know. You actually know how to do this way better than Disney. Actually, there's some things Warner's been better with than Disney. Let's just be be, be real. Recent years. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to. Uh, their content more but speaking of disney we're going to move on to another anticipated film and that movie is if i got this correct raya and the last dragon oh yeah that film (laughs) so as of late it seems like the film will be coming out in two months now uh this is as at the time i'm recording this the very very first original animated disney film since ralph breaks the internet and in frozen 2 ralph breaks the internet don't make me mention that film <laughs> actually actually it's the first original disney animated feature film since uh moana well yeah that's that's kind of what what i meant it, i mean i don't know like cons- when you when you take into account how much disney's corporate side has t- t- taken over their creativity I'm just praying that at this point, Raya will be kind of a break from all that. But at the same time, it's still a princess movie. So you, you I, I, here's the thing. Considering that it's a princess movie, you kind of know what to expect. Right. But, well, it seems, it seems like as of now, there's not going to be any musical numbers. And that's honestly a breath of fresh air. <laughs> the score is being done by James N- N- Newton Howard, who... Who actually scored uh, other Disney movies like Dinosaur, Atlantis Lost Empire, and Treasure Planet. He also scored Maleficent. Mmm, that movie. 
<laughs> well, at least at least compared to the other Disney remakes, at least it focuses on a different thing instead of just telling the story over and over. I guess so. But anyway, so um, it seems like the film is going to star Aquafina and Cassie Steele as Sisu and Raya. However, I take that that back because Steele left the the project about a year ago, and now. Kelly Marie Tran, who's known for playing Rose in the Star Wars sequels, is voicing her. Which, let me just say this right now, I am so glad she is getting more work. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really happy, too. Definitely. I, I, I just hope that she's doing a lot better now and that she's in a much better place than she, she, she was last year because, right. Jesus Christ, what happens to, to her? I, I also know that... Uh... And I also know that because I saw I saw the rise of Skywalker in theaters, <laughs> and uh, it was like a long time ago. And like that character Rose, like the character that got so much hate, apparently in the sequel they said, <laughs> they said that they what what did they do, buddy? They finished her arc and made her a more interesting character, except they didn't give her much screen time. So that is when they say more interesting character, that just really means that if they don't, if they show her less, the the Proud Boys are not going to throw Molotov cocktails at the Disney studio. Disney trying to please her fans and failing spectacularly. Dude, Disney hasn't pleased anybody since the two thousands, honestly. Even, well, like they, even even when 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 they, they announced, oh, we're bringing back hand drawn animation. Oh, really? What are you gonna do? Another princess movie? Oh. You told me that joke earlier, but also, <laughs> you want to know something? Okay, and I I'm gonna go off on a bit of a tangent here. Go right ahead. Bob Iger, the CEO who brought those remakes. What was one of the first things he did at Disney? He brought back Oswald. Woo! Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. There was even a Walt Disney Treasure set of Oswald that I had, which is a great set. So to, to, to any fans of the Epic Mickey series, you owe Bob Iger at least a little bit of thanks. Yeah, but now look, but now look what happened to him. Ugh. But one thing I wanted to mention is I like, you know that people complain about these live-action remakes. Oh, all, and, all the time. And part of me is like... and. And like, and part of me is like, I mean, Disney did, Mr. Disney did these, Disney did these remakes in the past, and he also wanted to uh, make remakes 10 years later after they came out to make them more updatable to audiences, but that didn't happen. In all honesty, I think Mr. Disney honestly really dodged a bullet there. Definitely. Which is funny, because... Some people have even like gone as far back as to say that the Aristocats, which was the very first Disney film not not to not have any involvement with Walt at all, was actually a, an unintentional remake of 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, but also like because Bob Iger really wanted to follow under Walt's footsteps, and also that's why that remake thing is a bit there. So we're kind of getting into that second era of what would have Walt have done. Oh no. For those who don't know, what would Walt have done what was a phrase coined by the Disney people in the 70s who had no idea what to, to do without Walt in terms of filmmaking, so they literally just decided to pretend to, to think of what, what would Walt do instead of what he would have actually done, which was take a, a risk, and even if it's something failed, he would have actually expanded upon it? Nope. Didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, and like, like, but like, he wouldn't, 
wouldn't stoop down to make something extremely, extremely safe, even though Walt was known of being pretty conservative. This is, well, he, he, he may have, have been like that, but he was also a massive risk to taker. He was, he was one of those people who would have jumped off the, a cliff for the sake of art. And I feel like, sorry we're going off on a bit of a tangent, but hopefully Raya and the Last Dragon will take more risks than other Disney films of the, the past. Wait, how many risks specifically? I don't know. I mean, they're obviously not going to kill off the main character. They couldn't do that in The, the Little Mermaid. I mean, I know that Walt Disney. I know Walt Disney wanted to kill off Trusty from Lady and the Tramp. But, but Peggy, Peggy Lee was like, no. No, Peggy Lee intervened because she felt like it would have upset the kids too much. And even one of the storymen later admitted that they should have killed Trusty because it not only would have given more power, but it also would have given a bit more love for Trusty. Exactly. It also makes me think of like, you know, funny, fun, fun fact. Um, when they were making the Lion King, a lot of the story crew were, were kind of concerned about killing off Mufasa, but Jeffrey Katzenberg was like, nah, guys, come on, come on, kill him off, kill off the, the dad. It'll give a, a bigger impact, which is hilarious when you consider that more than 10 years prior, the the crew at Disney wanted to kill off Chief and Fox and the, the Hound, but the, I was gonna mention that. Yeah, but the co-director Art Stevens was like, well, "We've never killed off a main character before, and we're not gonna do it now." Oh, like Bambi's mom. But was she a main character? She was mainly around the first half. She was still a main character, nonetheless. But I digress. Yeah. But yeah, like point is, uh, despite our like vent about Disney and stuff, I do have some hope for Raya and the Last Dragon. I've actually been anticipating it for a while. Except for the fact that the characters look a little too much like Avatar and Korra. What, what do you think of the dragon design? Actually, I, I haven't seen the dragon design in a while, but... Uh, uh, oh, uh, it, it's too... It is... I'm just gonna say it's a little... You want, you want me to show it to you? No, 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 I'm gonna look at it right now. Let me see what it looks like. Okay... I'm looking at, at the images right now, and I'm like, okay, not only is this Avatar and Korra, but the dragon looks non-threatening. That character design also gives me, like, sort of a worry. It's like, oh, God, what celebrity is this going to be voiced by? <laughs> I mean, they're getting Aquafina on board, so... Uh, well, uh, well, at least she's actually good. <laughs> she, was, she was really good in The Farewell, and just as good in the Dark Crystal prequel series. I oh, want yeah. that I want that show back. Be patient, Eli. <sighs> but in all seriousness, um so yeah, I'm not although I am still anticipating Raya, I'm also a little skeptical at this point. And I take it you're the same way, Luke. Yeah. We'll we'll just have to wait and see what, what happens. But <laughs> I I I'm tired of being cynical with, with Disney's newer choices, so I'm just praying that the next that this one is at least better? Even that, yeah. And even if it's better, that doesn't mean Disney is saved as a whole. I guess not. They still got, they still got a lot to learn. Yeah. Move on. Oh! <laughs> I seriously hate that remake with all my... Okay, 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 one more story. Okay, one time a few days ago... I was just, like, minding my own business, drawing, playing Animal Crossing New Horizons because I have a Switch. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I hear my mom call for me to come to the living room, and the TV was real out. And I was just like, oh, what are they watching? And what are they watching? 
they're watching the Lion King remake, and I just ran back into my you're, room. You were, you were, were just like, uh oh. No, no, no. It's like, <laughs> later. <laughs> Dude, the only time I, I would ever watch that that remake is if I was drunk off my hiney. You would have to watch it with someone. Oh yeah, just so you you, you can cringe at the same time. Have you the, the scene where Mufasa falls off is the funniest thing ever. He does the goofy holler. <laughs> I want someone to edit that now. They probably have. We just oh have... god, they're doing a remake sequel. Oh yeah, with Mu No, it's like a prequel with Mufasa directed by Barry Jenkins. Of of Moonlight fame. Oh boy. There's this one story from Twitter about that where it's like he was reading the script, and then after 30 pages, he's like, wow, this is amazing. And someone made a joke, and it's like, probably in the 30th page, there was like a big buttload of money <laughs> on the case. It makes me think of um, when it comes to any actor who did their stuff just for, for money in the first place. Yeah, or there's just like, I know some actors who just wanted to do some stuff to be sort of a fill-in for their mom or dad, etc. Right. But, yeah, long story short, Ryan the Last Dragon, let's just pray it's not that bad. Alright. What's, uh, what's the next picture? Arlo the Alligator Boy. Now, oh, yeah. now this Now, this film is an upcoming animated adventure musical directed by Ryan Crego for Netflix, and it starts Michael J. Woodard as the titular character Arlo Beauregard. Now, the main premise is that upon learning that he is from New York City, a wide-eyed boy who is half-human and half-alligator, makes sense of that, decides to leave his sheltered life in the swamp and search for his long-lost father. Hold on, just a minute, just a minute. Half-human and half-alligator. Can't you just say he's anthropomorphic? Nope, we have to have logic now. <laughs> but yeah, it's like why is why do they have to be like half human, half alligator? I'm all for in, inters, I'm all for miscegenation. But when it comes to humans, when it comes to humans and animals, I'm like no. Plus, why are we over-explaining and trying to talk down to other things? You know. Exactly. Anyway, back to back to Arlo. Um. So, most of what we know is that despite it being a musical, so on and so forth, the film is being co-made at Titmouse, and it's one of Netflix's newest upcoming animated features. And I find it so funny that the that Netflix is trying to make more animated films to compete with, with the you know mainstream and, and stuff, which I think mm -hmm. that I think they started with Klaus in twenty nineteen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Apple TV followed up with Wolf Wakers, which was beautiful. I gotta say, Wolf Walkers is a damn near masterpiece. Fight me. Yeah, and actually experiments with uh, the hand-drawn medium, but we'll talk about that when we get to that. Be patient, folks. So, some of the cast for, for the film include singer Mary Lambert, Flea, Annie Potts, Tony Hale, Brett Gelman, Jonathan Van Ness, Haley Chu, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Jennifer <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge and Vincent Rodriguez the the third. I just realized something. What? The character The actor Flea is playing the character Rob. Oh god damn it. You know 
Did they? Okay, um, was okay. Was that intentional casting d director to to have the singer fully voice a guy named Ruff? I I think it's funny, honestly. Ruff, Ruff, Ruff. But also, but also, I was just thinking about a Tex Avery cartoon called The Police Circus. <laughs> applause, applause, vociferous applause. I knew you would make that joke somehow. Go. That cartoon was made. That cartoon was made in CinemaScope, though. I bet it's open that day. Yeah, probably. Either way, folks, go buy the Tex Avery Blu-ray. It's. It may not be as good as the first volume, but it's still worth it. Yeah, the content is so good. You just gotta get it. Definitely. But anyway, uh, so with that said, um, honestly, I don't have too many opinions on the film yet. I, I would still love to see it because I actually I saw a clip. I actually saw a clip of it from uh, what is that? What was that place where you went to with uh, the James Lopez and Sandro Cluzo conversation? Uh, oh yeah, because it was at a in a, I can't remember what it was, but it was a, a virtual festival. And a bunch of animators and filmmakers got to speak about their work, but oh, I I did what? see I did see a clip like that, and it was great. Like of the the clip I did see, it looked really cute. Yeah. Um, my only complaint about the movie so far is that I j now I don't mind if if the film uses cliches to tell its story because honestly, there's a good chance that every movie ever made has at least one Here's cliche the thing. in it. My only complaint. The only complaint I'll have is if the film doesn't really have any su surprises. Yeah, but like, but also like about like the cliches and like, and I know that people dis people despise cliches with all their being because of like these critics. Here's the thing: you gotta use critic. No, you gotta use cliche somehow, but to overcome the cliche. Exactly. What because there comes a, a point where even if a film uses a cliche. You should just be at least a little self-aware about them. Even Klaus has some cliches in it. Yeah, and but, but it's like, who cares? You know, honestly, I, I, I don't want this to turn into like an anti-critic thing, but I've kind of grown to despise the argument that if a movie has even one cliche they've seen again and again, it's automatically crap. Yeah, and, like, and also like critics, and also trying to fight against critic standards has also been a thing for like the 20th century now since the beginning of movies exactly it's like who who even fucking cares at, at this point if if a movie guess what guys if a movie is not to your liking leave it alone go bother go bother another tree yeah exactly go go bother your dad <laughs> But with that said, Arlo the Alligator Boy coming next year, and hopefully it'll be worth it. Mm-hmm. So, next film on our agenda. Oh, boy. Oh, ho, ho, I cannot wait for this. Oh, what is it? Well, not sure when it's coming out this year, but it's been a highly anticipated feature for a lot of people. And, mm -hmm. that, and that film is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh, hell yeah. So... If I got this correct, in addition to being co-directed by Mark Gustafson, the film is being co-produced by Lisa Henson, the daughter of Jim Henson, with a script written by Del Toro, Patrick McHale, the creator of Over the Garden Wall, Gris Grimley, and Matthew Robbins, with who also co-wrote the story with Guillermo. And, and now, 
This film, from what I believe, is going to be stop-motion animated. In fact, it's even being co-produced by Shadow Machine with the Jim Henson Company on board. And the music is by Alexandre Desplat. I don't know how to pronounce that. And despite the title, this one is being is a lot... Despite the film being based on the, the original book by Carlo Collodi, it does have a bit of a fascist twist in it, since it takes place, I believe... During World War Two, I could. Well, the original does have a bit of a effed up, uh, sadistic torture things around it. Oh yeah, P- Pinocchio just kills Jiminy Cricket in the original book, which he wasn't yeah. even named Jiminy in the first place. Yeah, and yeah, he, the character in the movie is called uh, the Talking Cricket. <laughs> How much you want to bet that parents are, are going to watch the movie thinking it's related to the Disney film, and they go, "Oh no!" <laughs> I, 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 well, I think the children's would first pick on it first because kids are smarter than you think. Oh, definitely. I, I feel like any kid who would grow up with this would probably, they'd be scarred by it, but they would be, it would be something that would never leave their, their brain. And when they would go back to it, they'd, they'd go, oh yeah, this film, I like this. Yeah, I think it's a, I feel like it would be like a creative introduction to the story of Pinocchio aside of the Disney version. Oh, definitely. And also also the fact that it's stop motion actually excites me more than how, uh, and and we'll get to this, than how hand-drawn is recently being used in Hollywood. (laughs) Yeah, I think stop motion is even more underappreciated now than just hand-drawn animation. And, you know, we do have the, the occasional film from Leica and Armin popping up, but it's it's good to, to see a different co- company take a risk with a big, relatively big budgeted feature. The, I mean, the, the the film is actually not that expensive. It's only thirty five million dollars. Same thing. <laughs> I mean, Beauty and the I mean the Disney nineteen ninety one Beauty and the Beast is around like twenty. Is it twenty three million dollars? Yeah, it was actually. It, it had a lower budget than the, the Little Mermaid. Yeah. Then again, Bambi had a lower budget than Dumbo. Oh, yeah, I remember now. <laughs> and, and, and Bambi bombed, and Dumbo was a success. <laughs> oh, boy. How how things never seem to, to change. When when Disney thought Pocahontas was going to be a big hit, and Lion King was like, eh. Whatever. Lion King to turn out to, to be the, the biggest sensation of the 90s, and Pocahontas and was just seen as meh. The same thing also happened in 1961 with... Uh, Babes in the- Toyland and 101 Dalmatians, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 101 Dalmatians, the first film to use the Xerox process and had a lower budget. Meanwhile, Babes in Toyland had like a big budget, I think, and also a big all-star cast. And Babes in Toyland bombed. Well, 101 Dalmatians was a box office hit. <laughs> Although Babes in Toyland did find its life in, uh, life in a Christmas TV airing every year, which honestly, which I think, which I see it more as a TV special than anything. Which is funny because they remade Babes in Toyland in the, the 80s for Christmas, and that was even worse, apparently. Mm. There's also that MGM 1997 hmm. By Toby Bluth, right? Yeah, I think so. Nice. Uh, anyway, so so yeah, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. You know, I find it kind of funny that of all people, Patrick McMichael is working on this. And I guess like, you know, after Over the Garden Wall, you got to work on something. 
Mm-hmm. But what if the crew on uh, Infinity Train got to work on, on this? Keep dreaming. I know. But yeah, with with that said and done, uh, this upcoming Pinocchio film, it's... So yeah, it's it's stop motion, and I believe it's got a fascist twist to it. And I don't know, I forget what what time period it's being set in. I don't know if it's like World War II or anything. But I feel like now is a really perfect time to release it, especially when the United States is slowly getting over fascism. Well, like I mean, like I know uh, the unfunny haha Reddit people are not over communism. Reddit. 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 Spongebob. Spongebob, give me back my tumbler. Spongebob, make me ham and eggs. God damn it. And Are you just... Okay, low-key folks, go watch Crazy Mixed Up Pup, because by then you're, you're going to want some ham and eggs. <laughs> ham and eggs. <laughs> so with that said and done, uh, Pinocchio by Guillermo del Toro. Knock on wood, that turns out great. Uh-huh. So, uh, our next film on the agenda is a Pixar film. Now, what? Uh, let me just see if I got this correct. Yes. Okay. So, uh, in 2020, Pixar released two features, Onward and Soul. Onward was released about a, a week before the, vir- the coronavirus really revved up. So, it, it was the only time a Pixar film had to get pulled from, from theaters. Meanwhile, Soul was delayed in, until Christmas of, of last year, and it did. And it's been doing pretty well on Disney Plus. But with, with that said and, and done, they have a brand new film coming out from, if I got this name correct, Enrico Casarosa, called Luca. Now, Luca, if I remember correctly, I unless it's not otherwise, it should be set in Italy. And it's based on the director's upbringing in that country. Uh-huh. Um, now, I'm not going to share too many of my opinions about the film, especially because there's barely much about it that we, we know of. But I do like that, that Pixar is taking a, a bit more of, of a personal approach to, to their films, whether it, it be with Onward ba- based on the director Dan Scanlon's upbringing or the co-director of Soul, Kemp Powers, inflicting his own twist on that film. So it, it is nice that Enrico gets to add something to his life growing up in, in Italy on this film. And I know that Soul was delayed from the summer till Christmas release in 2020 to get more polished on the story because you remember what happened. Oh, yeah. Yep. Which, to be fair, I mean, I don't know how, how much more story polish they did on the feature, but hopefully it was just enough to make things better. Because what's interesting, it, it's it's just to com- compare Soul to another movie, unlike Frozen 2, where they had to do a lot of quick story changes after a disastrous test screening, with Soul, that was because of the coronavirus, and they had to change some story bits while their film was getting delayed. Mm-hmm. And it helped. It really yeah. helped. So I don't I don't think Luca's gonna get delayed anytime soon, but who knows what the story of that's gonna be like. And uh I also want to mention, of course with Pixar, there's gotta be a Ghibli reference. So Luca's full name, Luco Porto Rosso, is a reference to Studio Ghibli's Porco Rosso, which the film will pay homage to. <laughs> 
Is it going to have a character who looks like a pig? Okay, now we're just getting into, uh, uh hey, remember this movie? Territory. <laughs> but, uh, with that said and done, um, so yeah, Luca, not quite sure what, what to expect of it. Hopefully it's a little more derivative of Pixar's formula, which they seem to have really used a lot in their later films. And also the buddy comedy in Soul. Uh, yeah. But hopefully things won't get too bad for, 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 for this feature, as long as the personal touches remain intact. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Now, what's next? What's next? It feels like a cartoon. What's next, kid? Coming up next is a wise-cracking dog on an adventure. <laughs> so our next feature is Wendell and Wild by Henry ben Selick. The music score is actually done by Bruno Colles. I don't oh, know if that's dude, how you pronounce it. For uh, a lot of the cartoon saloon movies, like Secret of Kells. Um, no, I think he did the music for Coraline. Hold on, let me look. Let me look. Oh, he did do music for Secret of Kells. And then he did music for for Wolfwalkers, then, right? Uh, yep, he did music for Wolfwalkers and Song and of the Sea. <laughs> We're, ner we're, we're nerding out, folks. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. This is the, the appropriate time to nerd out because the film is actually being co-produced, co-written, and starring Key and Peele. Oh, yeah. Jor Jordan Peele and Keegan-Michael Key. Fun fact about Jordan Peele, the reason why he left voice acting to do writing was because his last voice acting role was... Uh, this one poop character from the Emoji movie. Which he gave up on. Yeah, and then later he uh, wrote uh, Get Out. <laughs> but anyway, so the premise of Wendell and Wilde is that two scheming demon brothers, Wendell and Wilde Sanders, who are voiced by Key and Peele, must face their arch, ne arch nemesis, the demon-dusting nun, Sister Helly, and her two acolytes, the goth teens Cat and Raoul. And I gotta say, with a premise like that, and knowing that that, that it's from Henry Selick, I'm looking forward to, to it. Yeah. Now, granted, I literally have no idea what to, to expect from, from the film, but considering that it is from Selick, I do expect there to be a lot of really funny surrealistic humor and weird comedic touches here and there. Mm -hmm. Because at this point, we have absolutely no idea what to expect in terms of what Henry Sella can pull off, because this is his first feature in more than 10 years. Yeah, also, people, people, I just need to say this. Henry Sella directed The Nightmare Before Christmas. Tim Burton was the producer, okay? <laughs> yeah, but Tim Burton conceived it, therefore it's his movie, duh. I mean, I mean, there's even his name in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, but, <sighs> God damn it. What? I had the original version with the Touchstone logo. You know that that, that that logo was on... You can actually find that version on Netflix. Oh, yeah. But, of course, if it's on Disney+, Plus, they ain't gonna do that. They ain't gonna separate Disney from Fox. <laughs> you mean Touchstone? No. Like, I meant, like, they, they're not gonna separate Disney from Fox and their Disney through the decade section. Oh, God. The next Blu-ray release of any Disney movie, or any Fox movie... It's, it's not going to say Fox, it's going to say 20th Century Studios. You want to know something? I, people, I need to mention that, like, every, I, like, around Twitter, I follow, I follow this archive 
this Disney archives thing on Instagram, and every time they would post something from 20th Century Fox, I would send the post to Eli, and then I would write down, it's a Fox movie, for God's sakes. <laughs> Just so they, he can remind me. They even posted about a Mel Brooks picture. Oh, no. Which one? What? I think it was Silent Movie. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. But we're we're getting off, off track. So, Wenzel and Wilde, it's going to be a horror comedy I think horror, horror. It's it's gonna be a, a lot of things, and and knowing having seen a lot of Keen Peel, I, I I think I, I can tell a good amount of what's gonna happen. I have a feeling that there's probably a lot of improvisation, which is honestly sounds like a fun thing. And it's funny too, because like most animated features, you know the 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 actors will record separately, but you you do get those exceptions like All Dogs Go to Heaven and The Road to El Dorado, where the main actors were recorded together to really get off that authenticity from one another interaction you know the interaction exactly i want to see more films where for specific sequences the a group of people would have to record lines with one another to get that interaction right they usually do that more in television than feature films but they should do it more in feature films they really should but (laughs) either way wendell and wilde Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, we're going to get into some unoriginal territory with our next flick. And that, I'm not surprised. And that film... Okay, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to mention every single goddamn animated sequel that I know so far that's going to come out next year. Here we, we go. What's the main one? Sing 2. Mm-hmm. Hotel Transylvania 4. The Addams Family 2. And unless I'm mistaken, Minions Rise of Gru, and the Boss Baby sequel. And adaptations of popular franchises, like Bob's Burgers the Movie, which apparently is the... (laughs) It's the anniversary gift, isn't it? Well, I meant to say that it's like, Twitter is going crazy. About this being the first Disney movie with hand-drawn animation, even though it's not from Walt Disney Animation Studios. No, it's from Fox. <laughs> okay, Luke, do, do you want to vent about animation Twitter now? <laughs> I want to vent about how hand-drawn animation has been used in America. Do it. And like, do well, it. Like, it kind of relates to animation Twitter. Okay, first off, I want to say... To those in the early years have been, who have been waiting and waiting for Disney to make a hand-drawn film, why don't you make your own hand-drawn project? That's a little mean. I, I, made, a, I made a thread about it on Twitter. I'm just go, going straight forward with it, okay? <laughs> but also, like, I am honestly getting really tired of, like, these companies using hand-drawn animation for reboots to get the freaking animation Twitter to watch their stuff. For those who don't know, animation Twitter is a term used to to describe it when people in the cartoon community go a little too crazy over hand-drawn animation. Mm. In hand-drawn animation, we mean it being actually used for something or anything by James Baxter. (laughs) Which, not to to, to talk bad about James Baxter, he's a, a brilliant artist, 
But it seems like whenever p- p- people go crazy over animation, it's over the same artists. Oh, Aaron, yeah. Bla- Aaron Blaze did this. Oh, James Baxter did this. Oh, these guys. Uh. But one part about animation Twitter is like, I am done. I am absolutely done with this community. Was uh, the announcement of the Chippendales Rescue Rangers movie. movie. Now, at first, the mention of that isn't much. Mm-hmm. But, but what made... The Twitter community freaking creamed themselves was uh, in one article about this. There was mention about like, oh, and these hand-drawn characters are going to take a while to try to go through a computer-generated world. And apparently that made made animation Twitter go insane. (laughs) And once we was was like, okay, no, the mention of hand-drawn animation just made me actually interested. I was like, oh, God, this is a conservative Twitter after all. They, they they love to say we care about the art form when in reality they'll only do it if it's hand drawn and not and not just not just hand drawn if it's like overly fluid Richard Williams animators survival kit garbage. And here's the and I call I mainly call it a I mainly call it a medium because you can do what you want with it. Exactly, it's not just an art form. Yeah, and also that bit with the fluid Richard Williams thing, and that's called elitism. And and I know a friend of mine uh, who all uh, say Harvey is really tired of that. And I remember he was drawing for something one time. And he, I, and he talked about the boring layout style and a lot of modern animated features. Yeah. Well, he talked about that. And also, like, I talked about, like, I asked him, was like, would you like to make an, a, a satire about animation elitist? And, I, and he said no. And I said, why? And it's like, here's the problem with satire. If you make a satire on elitists, instead of the viewer noting the cautions and the dangers of elitism, it'll motivate the viewer to be the, the elitist instead. Exactly. Which is why that Animaniacs reboot, which will constantly poke fun at the idea of like they're in a reboot, it's going to motivate studios to do it anyway because they're doing it. Good. Certain people don't actually care if a certain film is being done in a special way, which is why I feel like some people don't actually care about Wolf Walkers. They're like, oh, it's a foreign movie. I don't want to watch a foreign movie. Well, uh, let's be more specific. Like, like if, like, if, what if, if you imagine these people will talk about these hand-drawn reboots and then something that actually experiments with hand-drawn animation comes around on Twitter, but Twitter ignores it instead. Oh, yeah, exactly. This announcement, we're getting a stop-motion film. Eh. It's going to have some hand-drawn animation. Whoa! I mean, then again, I've always wanted to make a film where you combine hand-drawn animation and stop-motion. I always thought that was an interesting... You know, awesome. when it comes to, to people creaming themselves over overly fluid hand-drawn animation in reboots and other stuff, as opposed to more original works, it makes me think of a quote that Danny Antetonucci, the creator of Ed Ed Nettie, once said... Now, he said this on the CGI Popeye bit by Gendy Tartakovsky, but I'm going to re-quote what he said when it comes to animation Twitter. This is the ugly reality of the American corporate animation industry, which will only end when the freaking assholes who who, who think they're actually helping the art form, when in reality they're just jerking themselves off, leave it alone. Actually create some new ideas for, for once. Stop rebooting the, this other stuff and raping the art form I love. Develop. Inspire. Create. 
assholes. Remember when we said that Danny Antonucci thing line by line when they when the studio announced a Karen movie? <laughs> oh yeah, there's gonna be a fucking Karen movie in the future. I, I don't know if it's still being made. Let me check. But okay, in all seriousness, so all those sequels, all those adaptations, look. The studios are going to make those adaptations and sequels whatever. They're, they're, they're going to do it anyway. We, we can't stop them from doing it. But just have a little more uniqueness. Mm-hmm. And animation Twitter, watch, some, watch more movies, please. Watch more House and Bachelor. Or watch... Uh... Watch Goblins. Oh, wait, watch uh, the John and Faith Hubley movies. There we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch those. Because that stuff, that stuff is an art form. And a medium. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, so we're just going to do a few more movies because we got to wrap this up. But So we got Sony Pictures Animation's long-awaited Wish Dragon and Connected. Mm-hmm. Which I'm looking forward to Connected more, although I'm not sure how they're going to mix in a coming-of-age tale of a dad and his daughter with a plot about computers taking over the world. It's an internet-connected goofy movie. But um, which to to Luke a goofy movie is the greatest movie ever made? No, not the greatest movie ever made. (laughs) He thinks it's better than Citizen Kane. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. I haven't even watched Citizen Kane, but like in all seriousness, a goofy movie is one of my favorite movies. (laughs) Do you want to say your controversial opinion? (laughs) If you can call it controversial, then I don't care. In all honesty. I like a goofy movie way more than Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King. (gasps) (laughs) But anyway, uh, with that said, uh, so what are your thoughts on Wish Dragon and Connected? Connected, I can see it going in a different direction. That would be pretty cool with like all this like electronical stuff and other things. And Wish Dragon... It seems like it's based on Chinese lore. It's either going to be pretty good or it seems like it's going to be executed like one of those boring buddy comedies I keep seeing. <laughs> Hopefully not. Maybe it'll have its own twist, which I, th- I think it's going to have, but maybe it'll be a twist on a twist on a twist. A twist, a twist, a twist, a twist. <laughs> the plot thickens like in the Raggedy Ann and Andy musical adventure. Boo. Uh, but with that said, uh, Wish Dragon, now, I really have no opinions to give the movie outside of, well, it's getting released, finally, but... Well, and considering that we're still talking about animation movies and other things, and considering that it's coming out this year, we need to talk about the upcoming Tom and Jerry movie. Do I have to? We have to. All right, long story short, Tom and Jerry looks bad. It doesn't look Okay, no, no, no. I'll say this. The animation itself looks cool, but composition-wise, not once did I ever believe that they were interacting with the real humans. That's also the fault of the humans as well, because... Oh, the acting looks so bad. I made a joke of, like, animated characters do something. Live-action characters processing.exe. What is it with, in some of these live-action animated hybrids, the animated characters are better actors than the real actors? Well, that's because the... Well, 
the actors don't even look at the cartoon characters. They just look. They just look at a placeholder. Uh, <laughs> it, see, it's you know, just just think of all the hard work and effort the crew on films like Roger Rabbit, the Muppet Movie, uh, Looney Tunes back in action, etc. How much care and attention to detail they they put in terms of where the cartoon characters w- would be at. It feels gone now, and I'm not going to trash the crew. I'm, I'm sure that they all worked really hard on, on this film, it's, especially since the film got a standing ovation at France. But... <sighs> but I wanted to mention, but and, and I need to mention, that like, I want to see a behind-the-scenes video where the live-action person is, like, saying something from his crew. It's like, we got to do something, Tom. And then you, like, zoom out, and it's just a placeholder. <laughs> I want to see that joke happen. That would be want- so funny. I would crack up. Look, like, you know, honestly, they should just embrace it. They, they shouldn't take these movies so goddamn seriously all the time. I feel like the Tom and Jerry movie should be more of, like, how to have fun in a hotel rather than it just being a three-act structure. Exactly. Because, you know, I gotta say this, folks, and I say this as a fan of A Boy Named Charlie Brown and in other films, you don't always need a a consistent three-act structure to tell a story. Yeah, sometimes sometimes you just need a relaxing 90 minutes about, like, school and, like, in just under 90 minutes. And it just doesn't have a three-act structure. It's just more so about life. Which is also why... Aaron Long Sublo and Tangy Mustard is so good. I mean, even if he did a Sublo and Tangy Mustard movie, it wouldn't have a three-act structure. Well, I was talking about the series. I know. <laughs> but, yeah, in all seriousness, I don't want to be cynical about the Tom and Jerry movie, but it's because... It's not, not the one from the 90s, but, like, it's becoming harder and harder for me to enjoy newer content... When what they're giving is just like, come on, guys, we you did this in the 2000s. It's 2021. Yeah. Ugh. Well, we'll just have to wait and see what, what they offer. But I swear to God, if they have even one, and I mean one person in animation Twitter going, wait, the movie's actually hand-drawn animated. They, they, they lied to us. I'm just going to go, <sighs> Well... I know about the process, actually. Yeah, I, oh. do. I do too. Okay, okay. What they do is that they animate the characters traditionally, and then they put they make the CG on their own while taking reference from the hand drawn stuff. Right, right. It's kind of like the process of process of computer animation as well. Definitely, definitely. If you think about it, all animation is stop motion. So yeah, Tom and Jerry. <sighs> Let's just hope it's worth it. Even for a cat and mouse. And I think that should wrap this up for now. There, there's there's other animated works that are coming out, like Rumble, but I think we've said all that we, we needed to, unless you got other opinions, Luke. Uh, I, I haven't seen much of it. <laughs> and we don't need to. So, despite our opinions on the upcoming works, folks, don't listen to us entirely. You go out and check the, the stuff out and give you your own opinions. We're, we're just two random schlubs on the internet. Mm-hmm. But with that said and done, I am going to go pass out. I am dead tired, but have a, a very lovely evening, folks. Uh, I'm Eli Copperman. And I'm Lou Perkins. And we are... Out. <laughs> now, Lou, go make me some ham and eggs. I will. Sing it to me again, Eli. Okay. Oh! <laughs> 
Bye, folks. Bye.